Well, <coughs> my dad was a sports fanatic. Okay? He followed cricket, he followed soccer, soccer, he followed Australian rules. And every weekend he was on his shortwave radio. This is before the internet and the like. He was on a shortwave radio listening to his favourite team player. In fact, I, I said I received a text from my brother. Well, I actually got a photo with that text, and it had a, a picture of Don Bradman uh, outside the MCG. And Alan said to me, uh, here is Dad's hero, the one that you were named after. <laughs> Donald B. James. Donald Bradman. So, yeah. So, so that was it. He was abs- my dad was... Um, Absolutely, absolutely keen on sport, and I inherited his love. So me being the firstborn son, I carried Dad's hopes. So I played cricket, I played soccer, and for a few years I, I did athletics. I was absolutely hopeless at running, okay? But Dad bought me a discus and set up a high jump in the back garden, and uh, so those were the disciplines that I practised on. In fact, I held the seven-year-old high jump record <laughs> at, um, at Lindale Athletics Club in Auckland. Three foot, one and a half inches. <laughs> Work that out. <laughs> but that wasn't bad for a seven-year-old, actually. Anyway, I loved soccer. But to tell you the truth, I was, I was pretty hopeless at soccer. Uh, but Dad would take me to all the practices. He'd take me to every game. And uh, one, of my neighbor, my, one of my neighborhood friends would come over during the week and during the weekend, and like a lot of kids, we'd put two pole, poles in the back garden, and we would practice uh, taking penalties at each other. Not that we ever got the opportunity to take a penalty in a game. We were just hopeless, so it wasn't going to happen. But um, when it was my turn to be the goalkeeper, I got quite good at diving around, stopping Uh, my friend's shots, often in a game and in life, there are situations that we call game changers. For those of you who watched the Black Ferns rugby uh, team in the World Cup final a couple of weeks ago, uh, you would have noticed that in the first half of the game, they really struggled. They had the best outside backs and they would be trying to move the ball out towards these um, top players in the tournament, but they were just being smothered by England. And England just did really, really well. So, but at half time, they obviously got the pep talk from the coach and they completely changed their tactics. And instead of spinning out wide all the time, they just kept it in the forwards and they absolutely smashed England and won the World Cup. That halftime pep talk was a game changer. Uh, for me, the game changer happened when I was 11. I was playing soccer for Blockhouse Bay. And our little goalkeeper got hurt. And so at halftime, the coach asked for volunteers. Now, now usually in those grades, the, the people who were worst on the field got put in goals. And that was it. So, so when I put my hand up and said, yeah, I'll go in goals, uh, it was no loss to the team when I volunteered. I mean, it was just, yeah, I, okay, yeah, you're up, yeah, good on you. And um, so I did. And I just played like I played with my friend in the back garden. I made some really, really good saves. 
We won the game. And suddenly, I was really important to the team for the first time in all those years. <coughs> I got better and better. Uh, two years later, I was in the Auckland age group rep team. When I left school, uh, I represented my university. And then at the university games, uh, I was selected to play for New Zealand universities. And I thought, wow, wonder what would happen if that little goalkeeper hadn't got injured. And I hit. But it was a game changer. Game changes happened in life, and they happened in our Christian walk as well. And so over the next couple of months, I'm going to be talking about game changes. Those things which are absolutely, absolutely will change the way that you live, will change the way you view life, will change your future. Perhaps the greatest game changer in life of all is the revelation of who God is and what he thinks of us. Because that will totally impact the way that we view ourselves, the way that we view God, and the way that we live life. In the very last verse of the Old Testament, it says this, And he, mean God, will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Since the creation of mankind, there has been an assignment from the enemy to disconnect and disrupt the relationship of fathers to their children and cause an orphan spirit to rule in people's lives. It is not by chance that we live in a generation of orphans and fatherless kids. A number of years ago, I visited Robin and Margaret Aim, our missionaries in Nairobi, and they took us to Kibera slum. Anyone else been to Kibera here? No one. Okay, have a look at that. That's, that's part of Kibera slum. Uh, over two and a half million of Nairobi's population live in slums. And Kibera is the largest, perhaps the largest slum in the world. If you want to go on to the next, next slide there, look at that. It's not a safe place. Uh, there are so many, so many kids about in that place. And, I mean, I can show you the pictures of it, but I can't describe you the, the smells. I can't describe to you the, the, the looks on the young kids' faces who, whose lives are just absolutely hopeless. And most of the kids there are orphaned because their parents will have died from AIDS. AIDS is treatable, but not in the slums. Orphans don't live well, and they don't live long. They have to fight to survive. Their, their next meal is never, ever secure. And with no one to look after them, the orphan boys end up in gangs peddling drugs. 
The girls end up as prostitutes. And most of them don't live to age 25. But Robin and Margaret Aim have just done an amazing job over the years giving hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of these kids an absolutely new life. Uh, interestingly, when the boys come out of Kibera, say, onto the farm program at Ossolingi, um, they have to completely change their behavior to cope with the new situation. You see, they've never lived in a situation of safety. They've never lived in a situation of provision and supply. When they sit down at the meal table, they don't have to fight the person next to them for the food that's on the table. They don't have to steal food off the table and hide it away in their room for fear of not having any food for tomorrow. It's completely different living as an orphan as compared to living in safety and provision and supply. I want to suggest to you this morning that there isn't just a family disconnect in Nairobi, but we see an orphan spirit, an orphan generation all over the world. I think Satan has targeted this area because our experience with our earthly father will often cloud our view or our relationship with our heavenly father. And for the most part, most of us, when we come to Christ, have no idea what a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father is like. We don't know how to respond to His safe, loving arms, and we don't know how to live in His abundant provision. But God promises that in the last days, there will be a restoration of the relationship between fathers and their children. And certainly in the church, we have seen a restoration and a revelation, and in fact, of what our loving Heavenly Father is like. And that is so necessary because all of us carry a measure of that orphan spirit within us. Uh, relationships, any sort of relationship, can only be fully restored through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because when relationships are ripped apart, to bring them together, there needs to be forgiveness. And forgiveness is the only thing that happens through Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus came not only to make a way that our sin could be forgiven uh, and a pathway for us to have a relationship with God, but Jesus came to reveal God to us and show us that he is a loving Heavenly Father. And that term, loving Father, is just such an anomaly to, to most of us. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus, wanting to describe what God the Father is like, and what we are like, describes a father who has two sons. And both the sons have fractured relationships with their father. The younger son came to the father, asked him for his share of the estate. It was basically like coming, coming to your father and saying, hey, dad, I really wish you were dead, but I don't really love you, but I want your money anyway. Can you give me what's due to me? 
The father granted him his inheritance, and within a few weeks, the younger son left the father's home for a distant country. Eventually, there was a famine in that country, and the young man was in real trouble because he'd spent all of his share of the estate on loose living. He was so poor that he uh, had to get a job feeding the pigs, and he was um, so hungry that he ended up eating what the pigs were, were eating. And at some point, he comes to his senses, as it were, and he, he starts to think, and he thinks, hey, even my, the servants in my father's house were in a better situation than what I am now. Maybe if I go back and ask my father to forgive me, he'll let me live as a servant in his house, and then I'll be better off than what I am right now. His father, who every day had been watching and waiting for this son to return, runs out to meet the boy, doesn't scold him, doesn't say, I told you so, but he puts his best robe on his son and a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and in a moment he elevates him from poverty to royalty and he throws a party to celebrate his son's return. Meanwhile, as the people are dancing and celebrating, the older son comes in from the field. Now, he's real angry and he refuses to come to the party uh, with his orphan mindset. He, he just can't understand why his younger brother, who has just wasted all of his inheritance, has been forgiven. He's been given a party. Whereas the older boy had had to work and work all this time and had never had anything. So he's just really bitter and twisted. In reality, the older boy was just as disconnected from his father's heart as the young son had been, even though he never, ever uh, left his father's side. And this is what the father said to the older brother. He said, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because... This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And it's easy to see the disconnection of the younger son. He just walked away from the father, wasted his life, lived outside the father's house. But the older son was just as disconnected as the younger boy. Uh, the older son had a slave mentality. He thought he had to work to earn his father's love. He never served joyfully. He kept the rules, but he lacked a heart connection. In fact, he never enjoyed what was really his. The reality was that, as the father said, everything on the farm was the older boy's. Everything there was his. But he never actually asked for anything and so he lived his life like a slave rather than like a son. Now, it's interesting that Jesus tells this story when he's visiting the house of a 
Pharisee. And the Pharisee and his friends were getting really upset while Jesus was telling the story because, because they knew the implications of this. You see, they were the older sons in the story. And the implication was that the guy who went out and spent all his money on prostitutes and high, high living, he gets to come in and enjoy eternal life and the father's good things and the the guy who has worked and worked and worked and worked is shut out and doesn't get to experience any of it. And the reality is we have those elements of that orphan spirit within us. We default to being self-reliant rather than God-reliant. We often see God as being our master rather than as our loving heavenly father. We can be legalistic rather than grace-filled as we try and earn our Father's love. Uh, So we often strive for approval rather than being able to rest in His love. And so the list and the condition goes on and on and on. The orphan-spirited person doesn't see their rights and inheritance as sons and daughters of the King and doesn't realize that we have access to our Heavenly Father who doesn't just tolerate us, but actually loves us. We have all of us are on a journey to realizing that we are sons and daughters of a loving Heavenly Father. Romans 8, starting at verse 14, tells us, For those who are led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba, uh, literally translated, means Daddy. And to a lot of us, calling God Daddy causes a jar in our spirit. How, How can we call the God of the universe Daddy? And when we feel that jar, I want to suggest to you that that's just an indication that we have still got a way to go in receiving that spirit of sonship. The spirit, in verse 16, himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. The whole purpose of Jesus Christ coming to earth was so that we could be reconciled to our Heavenly Father and call Him Daddy. We are not slaves living in fear, but we are sons and daughters who are receiving an increasing revelation of God's love towards us and our identity in Christ and our inheritance as part of God's family. Speaking of inheritance, uh, when mum died, I was the executor of her will. And so, as an executor uh, working with the 
legal representative as well. We identified the heirs of the estate and divided the estate up to the heirs. And we understand what it would entail if we were heirs of a multimillionaire. I did funerals for my aunt and uncle in Remuera. They were multimillionaires. And so when their estate was divided up, there was millions that had to be divided between the cousins. Uh, not this cousin. <laughs> but between the sons and the daughters. So we, we understand what it means to be an heir of an earthly estate. But, but what does it mean to be an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus Christ? I, I think as Christians we are, we are yet to get a revelation of exactly what that really means. But that's what it says in Romans 8, doesn't it? That we are heirs of the Father and co-heirs uh, with Christ. Well, I think one thing that it means is that God our Father is our provider, and unlike orphans, we don't need to beg. Uh, we confuse what God is like with what our earthly father was like. Uh, some of us have had less than great experiences with our earthly fathers. Some of us haven't had earthly fathers that we know of. We haven't been able to identify our earthly fathers. Some of our dads died at an early stage, and so there's been a huge lacking in our life. As an example, I had a great dad. He, um, he died before I came into ministry, but he was a great dad. Uh, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't all-powerful. He wasn't with me all the time, but he tried his best. And when I think back, I have nothing but good thoughts of my dad. When Stephen, my son, comes to our place, the first thing he does is he heads for the fridge. <laughs> my wife's saying, the fridge. And then the pantry. I mean... I don't know whether proof feeds him. But the reality is that's the first thing he does when he comes to my place. And I think what it is is all these years and years and years and years and years, my sons knew that my pantry, my food, was open to them. And they can come in any time and they can eat from it. It got a bit difficult as the boys got bigger. <laughs> but the reality is, what is mine is theirs as far as the food goes. I, I hope it works vice versa, so that one day when I go around to their place, I will feel free to be able to eat their food. <laughs> but anyway, at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm happy because I'm, the, I'm their dad. He doesn't have to beg. He doesn't have to beg for food. And Jesus said, if you then, being evil, 
Know how to give good gifts to your children. And as a dad, we love to give our kids stuff. We love to give them stuff at Christmas. We love to give them stuff anytime. And as grandparents, we love to give the grandkids stuff. And Jesus said, well, if you know how to give good gifts, it's in your heart as a father to give good things to your kids. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In fact, it says in, in Luke, it says, How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? Give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. When you turn to the person next to you and say, How much more? How much more? Why don't you just repeat that after me? How much more? How much more? You see, our God. Is the God of the how much more? He's a heavenly father. He is, if our earthly fathers were imperfect, he is perfect. If our earthly fathers weren't there for us at times, he is there for us. He is the God of the how much more. And that's the father that Jesus came to show us. To reveal to us. Jesus said, when you pray, start off praying, our Father. Our Father. That's the God that Jesus wants to reveal to us. Our Father. Jesus showed us the Father's heart. He said, talking to his disciples, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Jesus was saying, hey, if you see me, if you see the things that I say, if you see the things that I do, that's the heart of the Father. That's the Father. So when a woman is caught in adultery, which was a sin punishable by death, when that woman was brought before Jesus, He had compassion on her and told her to go and sin no more. That's the Father's heart. A heart of restoration rather than a heart of restitution. God is not wanting to punish us for our sins. He's wanting to make a way where our sins can be forgiven so that we can have a relationship with him. All he wants is for us to be with him. All he wants is for us to have a relationship with him. Jesus said, John 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. When people with leprosy came to Jesus, when blind Bartimaeus came to Jesus, why did he heal them? He healed them because that's what fathers do. They try and fix things that are broken. When the grandkids' bikes are broken and they bring them to me, I try and fix them. That's what dads and granddads try and do. And of course, the ultimate broken in this world is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So how do we break the power of that orphan spirit 
and come to know God as our Heavenly Father. How do we do it? Because all of us need to grow in this area. Well, I believe the answer is prayer. Because that leads to encounter and it leads to revelation. Okay? When we have an encounter with God, our attitude towards God changes because He always reveals something of Himself in the encounter. When I had an encounter with God at university, I came away from that not only healed, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God loved me. And as a result of that encounter, I had a better understanding of our loving Heavenly Father and therefore also what He thought of me. For the first time, I realized that God was a God who answered prayer that he loved me enough to intervene in my life. And so I saw myself from that time onwards as unique, as precious, as loved, with a God-given plan and purpose for my life. And it totally changed the way that I lived. I mean, we come to know God as our Heavenly Father by prayer, which leads to encounter and revelation. As we meditate on God's word, as we peruse through the pages of God's word, the Holy Spirit will breathe on it. And as we spend time, not rushing through it, but just reading it and asking for understanding, the Holy Spirit always shines his light on it. And one of the things that he will, release, he, will, he will breathe on and one of the things that we can receive is a revelation in our spirits of the Father heart of God. That's what Paul does. Talking to the whole of the church of Ephesus, he says this. He says, I haven't stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So basically, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, asking for a revelation for them of who God is. And what that would mean to them. Let's have the musicians come up, can we? We all need that revelation. Either for the first time or as part of our journey. Because it will change the way that we come to God. It will change the way that we relate. It will change the way that we walk. It'll change the way that we live. But it comes as we cry out to God and as we say, God, I just want to know you as my heavenly father better 
than what I know you now. Will you come and just reveal to me your heart? Show me what you're like. And as you begin to do that, you'll find that God will just come. And he'll show you who he is. Over the next few months, we're going to look at a number of other revelations of what God's like and what he does in our life. Because they are game changers. They will change you from seeing our heavenly father in the light of our earthly dads. They will change. It'll change the way that you see yourself. And you won't struggle to come before God as a sinner, unworthy, scrapping for every little morsel off the Father's table. But you'll come to Him as a son or daughter comes to a loving Heavenly Father knowing that His provision is ours. And it will so change the way that you relate and it'll so change the way that you live your life. God is calling us to live not as orphans, but as sons and daughters of our loving Heavenly Father who just happens to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as well. Just happens to be the creator of the universe. Just happens to be the one who has all power and all authority. So just with every... Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder. I'm going to pray in a moment, and I'm just going to pray for a fresh revelation of the Father, heart of God to His people. I'm just going to pray and break off that orphan spirit. And I just wonder if there are people here this morning, and you want to be a part of that prayer. You, you just want to know God better as a loving Heavenly Father. If that's you this morning, I want you to stand to your feet. Just stand where you are, and I'm just going to pray. look around. This is just you wanting to have a fresh revelation of God the Father. You want to have those orphan thoughts broken off your life and come into that closer Abba Father walk with God. If that's you, just stand and I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. So God, we just come to you now, right now. We know that the enemy has had an assignment against fathers and sons and daughters relationships but God we thank you that you're the one who said that you come to restore the heart of the father to the son and the son to the father and so this morning we just break off those works of the enemy we break off those strongholds which are holding people back 
from knowing you in the way that you want to be known. And God, I pray for every person who's standing here this morning that you would just give them a fresh revelation in their spirit, that the eyes of their understanding would be opened and they will begin to see you as a loving, heavenly Father who doesn't just tolerate us but actually loves us and cares for us and wants to be more and more a part of our lives. God, I thank you that you loved us so much that you gave Jesus so that everyone who believed in him would not perish but would spend eternity with you. God, we ask this morning that you would touch us afresh and help us more and more day by day to grow in that revelation of you as our Abba Father. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.